Hi, everyone. I'm Jennifer Zock, and this is Unlocking Mindset. Today, I'm joined by Katherine Jackson from Partway Around the Globe in New Zealand. Katherine is the author of acclaimed book, Resilience at Work, Practical Tools for Career Success. In this episode of Unlocking Mindset, Katherine shares the unforeseen way she found herself in the world of resilience. Listen to Katherine's practical advice for strengthening your day-to-day resilience and supercharging yourself to navigate extreme uncertainty. Let's hear from Katherine. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Unlocking Mindset. Hello there, Jennifer. It's lovely to speak to you. Let's start by having you introduce yourself to the listeners. Sure. So, um, so my name's Catherine, um, Catherine Jackson, and I'm currently speaking to you from um, beautiful, sunny, crisp New Zealand. Um, if I look out of my window right now, I quite literally have um, ground that is covered with frost, um, and we have a couple of wayward sheep in our paddocks that I'm going to have to go and find out who they belong to shortly because they certainly aren't ours. Um, I'm a mum of one beautiful little unexpected chap that arrived eight years ago into our lives. Um, And I have been self-employed as a leadership coach over here in New Zealand um, since 2006. And prior to that, I worked within the corporate world. Um, So I was uh, an HR consultant um, within the finance industry um, over in the UK. So you might hear a bit of an interesting accent in me. I'm not really... I'm not really one or the other. I'm not really British and I'm not really Kiwi. I'm sort of from everywhere. So um, thank you for inviting me to, uh, to come and talk to you today, Jennifer. It's, it's really exciting to, um, to be on this call. Well, it's very exciting to have you here, Catherine. And you have a book that you published called Resilience at Work. Tell us a bit about the book. That's right. So, um, So, oh gosh, so what a journey. So I had no intention of writing a book. And if you'd spoken to me about writing books and resilience about 10 years ago, I would have looked at you as if you were completely mad. Um, I I accidentally um, found myself in the world of resilience as a result of where I live. Um, I live in Christchurch, New Zealand. Um, We moved here in 2006. um, And for four years of... um, for four years when we first arrived, um, I focused on establishing my leadership coaching practice here in this beautiful country. Um, And life kind of potted along as normal with its usual highs and lows. Um, And then in September 2010, everything changed. Um, I don't know how much um, of this news traveled around the world, um, particularly to the States, um, but New Zealand experienced its um, most significant earthquake years ever in history. Um, So the first earthquake that we experienced was in September um, 2010. Um, And to, to, to cut a very long story short, that pretty much totaled our house um, and so um, we uh, as, a, as, a, as a city as a region um, we spent the next five years rebuilding about 80% of our city so we lost most of our tall buildings um, and very sadly we, we lost several hundred people um, and um, it was a very personal experience because New Zealand as a country um, is a very close country. We, we have this phrase two degrees of separation and that most people know somebody. So as a result, um, the, I guess the, the, the impact of the earthquakes was a very, very deeply felt impact. Um, so we had the rebuild of 80% of the city going on. Um, I was really lucky at that time to be selected from coaches around the region um, to be one of five peak performance coaches that supported the rebuild of the city. So I worked, it was my job to, um, I guess, straddle straddle the, um, the, the, the place between academic research and practical implementation. So I worked with leaders who were leading really stressed teams in the city um, who were going home at night to homes where they had no running water and where they, you know, we were all sharing port loos and things like that. You know, it was a really, a very 
unexpected and intense lifestyle. Um, we didn't even have enough people in New Zealand to rebuild the city. And so we had huge recruitment drives overseas, bringing um, streams of, of construction experts to New Zealand to, to rebuild um, our world. Um, and part of the um, part of the process for getting ready for that rebuild was running some numbers um, and those terrible numbers suggested that in the course of the rebuild at least two people would die because of um, stress anxiety pressure um, and and health and safety issues um, and so the construction industry as a whole made a commitment to not let that happen, not on my watch. Um, and so they welcomed a number of research organizations to the region um, to help us to learn about well-being, resilience, to understand mindset, to understand how to make different choices so that in a world that seems impossible, um, you learn how to not just survive, but get stronger. Um, and and so part of my role was to learn from those researchers um, and draw them into my work that I was doing in my coaching. Um, I spoke about the work that we did at a conference in London in 2016 and didn't realize that somebody in the audience was from a publishing house. Um, and she came over to me after the speech and said, please, would you consider putting that into a book? Um, and um, to again cut a very long story short that was the journey of um, resilience at work um, I took about four months to really head down <laughs> um, and and write everything that we'd learned um, and as a result um, it was launched in August 2018 um, it was a bit of a secret book for about six months um, because I kind of I felt like a bit of a fraud, to be honest. I kind of thought, you know, everybody writes a book these days. How do I know if it's any good? Um, and I got a call in January 2019 that changed everything. Um, it was a call from London to say that my book had been shortlisted for Best International Business Book. Um, and not long after that, I got a call from Australia to say that it was a finalist for the Australian Career Book of the Year. Um, and that really gave me a short, sharp shock and helped me to see that I needed to start really believing in this work and, and talking about our work in, over here in Christchurch because what we've learned at the time could make an impact on the global epidemic of, of stress and anxiety um, within, within the world. Um, and I think with COVID-19 and, and all that goes with the global uncertainty taking a whole extra level, um, I think the tools, the resources, the practical things we can choose to do can potentially have quite a significant impact on how some of us navigate through extreme uncertainty. What are some of those practical things that we can choose to do? Yeah, so, um, so practical practical things we can choose to do. So what I needed to do was distill, I guess distill what we learned um, into something that was relatively simple um, to remember. Um, and I came up with a concept that I call the three E's of resilience. So when you spell it out, you get three E's. So it's nice and simple to, to remember. And so the three E's, um, so the first E starts with evidence. Um, and so that evidence is to notice within yourself, how are you feeling? Mm -hmm. So what is it that you feel like in this moment right now? And how does that feel? How does that compare, I guess, with what you feel when you're feeling good and functioning well and having a really great day? So that way we become better at noticing. Um, we don't just sleepwalk our way into becoming hugely stressed because we've not noticed it for six months. Um, so that's the step one evidence. Uh, evidence. Step two um, is empower. So how can we grow our knowledge and understanding of the science of well-being? So the science that will help us to really learn what to do when we notice that we're not feeling good and functioning well 
and it stops us from just reaching for chocolate and beer and wine and binge watching Netflix and all the things that we totally do um, when we're stressed because we're, you know, we're hardwired biochemically to reach for fat, fatty stuff and naughty stuff. Um, and so, you know, how can we notice that we're doing that and then use the science of well-being to make different choices? And that science space is where my book strategies kick in. And then the third E of resilience is embed. So how do you make noticing a regular part of your life and um, you know how do you make sure that you have a, an anchor of some sort so it might be well-being wednesday for me it's well-being wednesday time out tuesday um, you know i've heard all of these um, things used as anchors so making regular time to notice how am i feeling and how does it compare to the way i want to feel and then what can I actually do about it? And so that, um, that middle ground of, of building evidence and understanding is, is largely where my, my book sits. So nice and easy, three E's of resilience. Three E's. I have a question about an additional E. Yeah, oh, please. I love additional E's and questions. Okay. Where does empathy fit in with resilience? Empathy, so that would, I think, I think talking like just talking this through right now, I think that empathy would actually sit across um, both the evidence piece. So when we think of evidence, I'm looking for um, how do I feel in myself? How do I notice in others how other people are feeling? You know, so again, the, the part of resilience is, is also noticing it in other people. And so, you know, if I'm living with my husband and I've noticed he's a bit crabbier than usual, um, you know, how do I handle that? You know, how do I, I really dial up my empathy and actually help him to notice in himself um, and expect that for the first few times we might have a bit of a fight no I'm not crabby what are you talking about leave me alone um, and then maybe a couple of days later he'll come and say actually do you know what you were right I needed to do the middle e which is empower and actually go for a run or take a, a different decision about my food or to have an early night or switch off technology or all of the other really great strategies um, that we can use to 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 dial up our um our well-being and, and empower ourselves and um, to to look after ourselves better what misconceptions do you find that people have about resilience yeah so um we are one of the biggest misconceptions i think that that we have with resilience um is that either you have it or you don't have it and if you get sent for a resilience course, that means that your leaders think that you haven't got it and they, you know, they're forcing you to go and grow it. Um, and so, you know, if, if we look at the science and the history of resilience, if we go back just to the 1970s, now, goodness me, I was born in the 1970s. So I was born at a time when our science community told us that resilience was something you either had or you didn't have. And it's only in the last 20 to 25 years that the science has challenged that assumption and recognized that actually we are born with a certain level of natural resilience. So it comes more easily for some of us than others. And when I talk about resilience, um, I guess there's again, a lot of different definitions, but for me, resilience is about being able to adapt positively when the world turns to custard. So, you know, if my world totally shifts and changes unexpectedly, unwelcomely, and it's really not okay, how well do I navigate that? Do I just survive? Or do I actually look for ways to grow and learn and get stronger and, and find hope and positivity? Um, and so the science is now showing us that um, we, we can actually all grow this with something that's known as adaptive resilience. So this is where we actually grow our understanding of resilience and then practice lots of different tools and techniques to see what works for us personally so that we can become stronger as we, as we navigate through um, the highs and lows of everyday life. Um, because life every day has ups and downs um, and also life as a whole throws us real curlies 
you know we lose lo loved ones we lose jobs um, you know we've had a, a horribly sharp shock in the last three months around the curveballs that life can brings us um, and when we looked at the research in Christchurch um, the people going into the earthquake environment with strength and with these strategies um, navigated this extreme uncertainty a lot more favorably than people whose start place was simply chocolate, Netflix, binge drinking, um, getting stuck in, in pain and sadness and fear. So, um, so, so and growing an understanding of what we can do is, is I think, fundamental to our journey as humans um, as we navigate through life. That goes with your second E, empower. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And so what I'm what I'm really excited about is that we're starting to see an interest from the from the education community for so from schools. So if we look at school curriculum, certainly in New Zealand, and I did a little bit of digging and I think you guys are just starting this as well. We're starting to build this idea of um, understanding well-being science. So things like growth mindset, positive psychology, neuroscience, these are all kind of buzzwords, but they're all very closely linked to actually understanding and growing and developing resilience. Um, and so that's exciting for people at school right now, because it means that hopefully by the time they all pop out their education system, they'll have much more strategies. But what about people like us who've kind of done that and we're stuck in this kind of middle ground of not really knowing about this stuff. And so that's one of the reasons that I, um, I'm ha I am having to be brave and, and talk about this stuff um, because I believe so strongly that we can learn from it and then learn how to make different choices to look after ourselves. What is your advice for people like us that haven't been formally taught, you know, as we were passing through the educational system, how to be resilient. It's my advice. So I could be really facetious and say, read a really great book about resilience. <laughs> so, uh, so there's, there's obviously, you know, what I read. <laughs> so I think, I think the empower piece is absolutely it. So look at what can you do to grow your own knowledge. Um, now, most of us have well, we can all learn using different modalities, but most of us have a kind of go-to place. We kind of watch the TED Talks or we read the books um, or we like to talk about it with special interest groups. And so my advice is tune into how you like to learn. So how do you like to learn new information? And then really dial up your um, search you're in a search function um, and start to look for tools and resources that will help you that are science-based and evidence-based, not just pop psychology, but science-based and evidence-based that will help you to understand how to do this. So that's one of the reasons that I wrote my book so that people have a resource that they can go to that's that's got um like that's grounded in science and and um, information that has research to back it up um but i also recognize that not everybody likes reading self-help books you know they can be a bit meh for some people um, and so in march of this year i worked with a group of five other global professionals in in the well-being and health industry and we designed something called kite support um, and so kitesupportapp.com is a, a global app and so so what, what that does is it brings to life um, the, the learning of, of the book and the research um, into kind of daily bite-sized bits of information that arrive into your telephone um, and give you a little nudge. So we're using nudge theory as well to kind of grow people's um, well-being. So, you know, today's topic no, sorry, this week's topic um, might be managing your mindset. And so, you know, the first day might be to just notice the words that start coming into your mind. What are your, what, what's your inner voice telling you about the things that are going on? Notice whether it's filled with more positively um, uh, filled, fueled words or more negatively fueled words. Notice how strong the words are. You know, are you curious or are you scared? or are you terrified, or are you paralyzed? Those are different strengths of fear. Um, so, you know, starting to notice what's going on inside your mind. And then tomorrow, we might give you a video to look at and say, go and have a look at this short video 
and just reflect on what you learn. And then on day three, it might say, talk to somebody in your family about what you're learning so far. So it's little daily teeny weeny bites of, of, of knowledge. Um, the other thing that I'm excited to be launching next week, actually, is um, a six-part program, which I'm calling Let's Talk Resilience at Work. And so that's um, giving organisations a, um, a, a tool to be able to encourage more discussion about this. We're having, we're having an interesting global growth which I love, of discussing mental health. So we're seeing, you know, mental health first aiders in organisations. We're seeing suicide not being an, a dirty word that nobody talks about. You know, so this is, and this is amazing, and it, it, it's, we absolutely need this. But the lens that I think is, is missing for some of us is actually what happens before then. So when we're travelling from being a feeling good and functioning well human, what happens to us before we become in need of clinical support? Um, and so having this discussions about that journey and empowering ourselves in organisations and at home to be able to help ourselves back to well-being sooner is what prevents us from then having to have mental health first aiders in workplaces and so you know part of my vision even though it's not a very realistic vision but part of my vision is that we no longer need people like that in workplaces because we're so much better equipped to look after ourselves now i fully acknowledge that there are some people in our world who biochemically will require additional support and there are some things that happen to us in our life which are truly terrible that require us to seek clinical support um, and so while the the tools and the resources in my work and my book um, are designed to grow strength um, i do always encourage everybody anybody listening if you if you are feeling really stuck if you are feeling really lonely and alone and you really don't know where to go with this please call 911 or please call 0800 273 talk which is your us um, mental health support line so that is always to be kept um, in our minds as we talk about this um, but that's the, the the key strategies for growing knowledge and strength and understanding thank you so much for sharing those phone numbers resources yeah oh, yeah it's sorry. really important i think it's um so it's mental health america um and it's a 24-hour crisis line they do have a text number too so um so just the the world is ready to support you if you really do feel stuck um, and i'm always very mindful that some people who look for my work actually need more than my work um, and so it's always important as a as a coach and um, to be able to easily access and support people with additional um, clinic more clinically focused um, help what role do you see mindset playing in resilience yeah mindset is huge so when i when i designed the empowering tools within my workbook within my my book um mindset is the start place and i actually call it emotional honesty instead of mindset and for me there's a really big difference between the two so mindset um i think we can sometimes accidentally grit our teeth and say, do you know what? I feel like crap, but I'm gonna keep going because I'm gonna be fine and I'm gonna get through this. Now that works in the short term and that can be absolutely fine as a strategy in the short term, um, but actually it's not a very honest approach. You know, so often, you know, I'll be working with, um, with busy mums, for example, who are kind of just holding it together and, um, and we'll sit down and it won't be until the third or fourth coaching session that they actually relax and they say, do you know what, I've not got this. Do you know what, I'm actually, I'm struggling to get everything done right now and I don't know what to do and I don't know where to reach out. Um, and I'm not, I'm not broken <laughs> and I know I'm not broken, but I don't know how to reclaim my sense of where to from here and I just feel frazzled. Um, and so 
I think the start place for um, for mindset is about recognizing emotions, and and so I like to talk about something called emotional literacy. So um, I remember running a, um, a a workshop about emotional literacy. I'll make sure you guys have actually got um, an emotions weird list that I designed. Um, but I I, um, I ran a, an emotional literacy workshop uh, for a construction team. Can you imagine a construction team? And the engineer came out. One of the engineers, gorgeous man, came over to me at the start of the uh, workshop and he said Catherine this is BS I hope I can say that um this is this is BS he said you know I I'm an engineer I'm either happy or I'm sad sometimes I'm angry I fail to see how emotional literacy is going to bring meaning to my life and so we talked about emotions and naming emotions, noticing emotions, recognizing that our brain has a tendency to distort emotions um, and to focus really on the negative ones. You know, the negative emotions tend to stick around a lot longer. Um, and it's, um, we can kind of lose the positive ones. Um, and so, you know, so starting to grow our knowledge and understanding of that um, through um, really conscious noticing. And what was amazing was that two weeks later, this guy features in my book with his permission and um, because it was a great story. Two weeks later, he got in touch with me and he said, oh my God, he said, I've just talked to my two children about going back to school um, because the, the schools had basically just fallen down in the earthquakes and so they'd, they'd had to be sharing a school for, for about three years. He said, I just talked to my girls who are going back to school um, about what their feelings were and we used your emotions word list. He said, I'm more, I learned more about what is going on in their minds in that 10 minute discussion than in the 12 years that I've known them. Um, and so, you know, starting to really connect to our humanity, the fact that we do have emotions, don't be afraid of them notice them lean into them make friends with them um, and then start to play with what you see so this this concept the psychologists refer to cognitive distortion you know our mind is very good at telling us untruths um, things like you know this is a really big deal it's bigger than you've ever dealt with before it's gonna last forever and there is no way in hell you can handle this um, and so it's kind of like, wow, okay, that's not helpful. <laughs> so the mindset piece is very much about noticing that and giving yourself permission to have an inner dialogue. It's okay to have voices in your head and make sure they're helpful voices and make sure they're truthful voices. Um, and I think part of the other role that mindset plays in that is Carol Dweck's amazing work around growth mindset. So I work with um, a wonderful um, guy over here, James Anderson. Please check his work out. It's, it's influencing schools over here in the region. Um, and um, so James and, and works directly with Carol and is doing some amazing work looking at, you know, how do we um, understand the impact of growth mindset um, on, on, on resilience and on our resilience journey? So for example, if I don't believe it's possible for me to grow my resilience. I will not even start. Um, so how can we challenge ourselves and learn about neuroplasticity, the way our brain can always grow? Um, you know, we, we might think you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but the science disproves that. So let's learn about the science. <laughs> yeah, let's learn about the science, challenge our thinking, and realize that for some of us it will be harder, but we can change our mindset. We can learn to more effectively navigate our brain so that it helps us rather than harms us. Um, now, I'm not Pollyanna in all of that. I know that some days are dark. You know, I remember distinctly during the earthquake years, you know, I'd spent two years sharing Portaloos with our um, street. Um, you know, our house was, was um, incredibly broken um, you know we had no end in sight and I used to walk in the forest because it was the only place that I felt safe 
because the trees would wobble but they wouldn't actually fall down um, because we had about five years of, of really big strong aftershocks um, and I guess anybody who lives in an earthquake region in America and I know there are plenty of those and um, will know exactly what I'm talking about you know that jolt of adrenaline as you hear a rumble you know your house is about to start you know tumbling around you um, but there's nothing you can do and nowhere you can go so terrifying and I remember walking through the forest and sobbing and absolutely sobbing I was so angry you know I was so angry that I had reached this crossroads in my world and I was kind of like this is not fair this is so beyond not fair and so mindset allow your mind to go to dark places just don't allow it to stay there and I think that is the really important thing about mindset so you know I, I experienced anger that I you know absolute rage I've never experienced that before in my life because I thought you know the earthquakes had now taken away the rest of my life you know because suddenly you know I was having this what I thought was this really great life and then the earthquakes came along and now you know I could see this is a crossroads that now the rest of my life is going to be terrible but actually that's not the truth so you know there were some things of my life before now that weren't great um, and there are some things in my life right now that are amazing. So again, that mindset piece is super important um, as the foundation for growing well-being, strength and resilience. Your story reminds me of a story of my, my own. Um, on the farm that we, we live on, I would walk through the grove of trees and to a pond and I would make myself process any kind of negative emotions on the way to the pond. Yeah. Then on the way back, Beautiful. Yeah. I would then transition to processing positive things. Beautiful. So it worked really well to, you know, accept that yes, there are dark times, um, but there are also right times too. Jennifer, thank you so much for sharing and trusting me with that story. You know, what, yeah. I, what I notice is that um, what we're seeing is the real emotional depth and power of, of emotion, um, you know, because even just talking about emotions can, can, can recharge that sense, the feelings that we get um, when we go through joy, love, happiness, sadness fear loneliness so so noticing that when we talk about them even if it's in just in our head we kind of recreate that that bodily feeling as well so we can we can kind of choose emotional states to some extent by noticing what we're saying internally and also how we're verbalizing what i find so precious about that example that you just shared Jennifer is that you found your space everybody I think needs a place a place you can go that feels safe and where you feel like you can just be you but not so that you get lost because you know you could have shared that you you used your journey out to feel negative emotions and then you stayed there and got more sad and then you went home sad you know so so you, ha you that's a really amazing story of strength because you're using cognitive techniques to 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 change the way that you're thinking on your way home um, and so some of those techniques can be things like, you know, noticing um, the, the, noticing your senses, noticing what you smell that's amazing, what you see that's beautiful, what you hear that fills your heart as you're walking home. So that, again, you're grounding yourself um, and you're reminding yourself of the joy that you still have. Um, I work with an amazing woman over here, Dr. Lucy Hone, who is the founder of the New Zealand Institute for Wellbeing and Resilience. She has a beautiful saying, which is don't let what you've lost take away what you still have. And I think that in itself is one of the most beautiful pieces of advice that we can give ourselves or permissions that we can give ourselves. When life chucks us curveballs, handle them, deal with them, face them, seek help through them, but don't let them take away what you have. Right. Oh, that is a lovely quote. Would you repeat that for our listeners? Of course I will. So it's Dr. Lucy Hine. It's not my own quote. Um, and she talks about um, don't let what you've lost take away what you still have. 
very wise she's a she's a very wise woman (laughs) lovely to work with her i'd like to take a moment here and talk about the workplace Mm. your book references four foundations for resilience at work can you Mm. unpack those four foundations for us of course yeah of course so um so remembering that my performance coaching work was in the workplace Um, and so you know there are lots of different flavors to resilience you know we have resilient crops and resilient farming and you know but my my resilience lens is looking at resilience in workplaces Um, and so when we think about resilience at work it's it's the same as the um the, the mindset piece that we just talked about. The start place is emotional honesty. How am I feeling in my job and in my work? How do I feel about my team members? Um, and, um, and noticing <laughs> that some of what you feel and experience may or may not be true. So growing our literacy in that space. Um, the, um, the, the, th- the other foundations after that, so I, we, I've d- developed a framework for my book to help people to make really structured choices around this. Um, and so the frameworks are um, emotional honesty and then self-care and then connections and then learning. And so if we can think about each of those four topics, kind of like buckets, I guess, or, or batteries, when they're powered up and fully charged, um, they they're strong and they they really help us we can through our daily life um, we lose power you know that's just what happens stuff comes along you know really colleagues that I would like to secretly kill you know uh, managers that micromanage me or that just ignore me and don't even notice me you know there are things in our life that take away our battery in those places and so part of this, this grounding in emotional honesty is noticing where your battery is at and then choosing something from one of those buckets to recharge with. So we start to notice then that self-care isn't something we do if we have time. Okay, so, so sitting at my desk thinking I've got this enormous deadline and I need to hit it and I can't think of what I'm trying to write, but you know what, I'm just going to keep plowing on and sitting here and it's going to come to me i'm sure you know um that is just not a really helpful way of of being resilient a resilient person would say i'm going to go for a walk around the block to decide what i'm going to write or i'm going to go for a run or i'm going to go to a yoga class or i'm going to go to church or i'm going to go and eat something that's going to fill my brain with fish or nuts or something that we we know in our hearts we should be choosing instead of sitting at our desks going i'm getting another coffee i'm getting a muffin and then i'm going to nail this thing okay so resilient people notice that that's what's going on and then they make different choices around their self care Resilient people also notice what's going on with their connections. And so um, if, again, in in a workplace perspective, connections is really about who you know that might be able to help you. Because so many times at work, we kind of go, I might get find it, found out, you know, someone might think that I can't do my job. Um, and so we kind of make it our problem to deal with issues that come up. Um, we also have to keep a really close eye on um, who we hang out with as well. Um, and, you know, that is each of the chapters in my book has what I call the elephants in the room um, and tackles some of these, you know, crabby questions. Um, because actually, you know, if I am having a really tough time at work and I hang out with other people who are also having a really tough time at work and all of our conversations are about our tough time at work, how do we think we might feel <laughs> empowered, strength, <laughs> stronger, you know, ready to change the world, ready to do something about it, or perhaps just whinging and whining and bitching and moaning and, you know, all of that really unhelpful stuff that feels really great for about three minutes because, you know, we, we offload, um, but it's really disempowering. So again, making sure that the people I hang out with at work um, are helping me rather than harming me and making sure that I have a strong connection network. And when I say network, most people kind of switch off and they're like, ooh, I really hate networking. That's like a dirty word. Um, And so my book helps people to think about networking differently. So instead of just reaching out for help all the time, 
you're looking at reaching out to be kind to others and support them. And so what that does is that activates completely different brain centers. We, we activate brain centers that help us to feel good and help other people to feel good. Um, because being kind to other people, um, again, is a scientifically researched way of building strength and resilience and creating a sense of well-being, both in ourselves and in the other person. So that kindness is a really strong part of um, connections. And then the final piece of the jigsaw is learning. So again, if I, if I simply get through this, like by the skin of my teeth, <laughs> um, chances are I'm going to not have any extra tools to draw on if it happens to me again. Um, and so one of the differences between surviving work and growing from work is, is noticing the learning. Um, and so learning opportunities might be things like looking for a mentor, you know, looking for somebody who has walked your journey and who can share their lessons learned so that you can choose which of those lessons to draw from. Um, or it might be um, that you can really rev up your research, look at who, who do you know or what, what stories have you heard or what books have you read about somebody who's been through this before and, you know, they've written a book about it. You know, there's autobiographies everywhere in bookshops and online um, about amazing people who have had really tough times and they've not only made it through, but they've grown as a result. So how might, they, how might their stories help you to navigate through what you're handling right now? Um, and so that, that, so it's almost like if you think about, um, your start point is your, your battery. Where am I at? Is my battery green and fully charged? In which case, you're doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing right now and don't even think about resilience and well-being. Just keep living the life you're living. If your battery is feeling a little bit yellow, then notice it and nudge it. So choose to do something from each of the four buckets. So emotional honesty. Choose to challenge your thoughts. Um, uh, the the self-care choose to go for a walk or switch off your phone stop reading the news um the um, connections find somebody who makes you laugh and smile um or the the learning um so so read a book that inspires you okay so that's just nudging your well-being if it goes kind of call it kind of poo brown you know if, if your well-being goes a little bit browner than yellow it's not quite red but it's not looking good that's when you might need some sort of bigger emergency strategy so you might need to reach out to a friend or to a family member who holds you accountable and helps you to do stuff that's going to help you and if you find yourself red and really feeling lost and lonely and stuck and trapped and I don't even know how I'm going to get back to green and overwhelmed, that's when you reach for professional support. You talk to your doctor, you dial 911, or you call the Mental Health America hotline. So um, it's very much about having that kind of visual for yourself and, and then notice, notice what's going on. That's your evidence. So use your first E, your evidence, then dial up what you do using your empower, your second E, and then embed this, embed this, embed this. Notice it daily, weekly, monthly. Um, and you'll start to um, notice that your resilience levels go up you, because you feel better. You know, you can handle things, you can handle more, and you realize that you're stronger than you think you were. Absolutely. We often underestimate our strength. Oh, or you know, yeah, sorry, use it or direct that energy in counterproductive ways. I, I really liked what you said, the distinction that you made about self-care being an act of resilience Absolutely. as opposed to yeah. Yeah. just sticking it out, which many of us have been taught that that's strength. What that really reminds me of is that's willpower. That's working harder rather than smarter. Totally. Yeah, totally. So many of us grew up with that kind of work hard, play later type of thing. Um, but I'd like to really challenge that and say that actually self-care is part of working hard. 
You know, if you look around you, look around you right now and look at the most stressed out people, um, you know, they are often the ones that are spending so much of their day looking after other people that they fail to look after themselves. Um, and so, you know, I, I read a wonderful article. I was over in the States, actually, in Texas um, in October last year, talking at a conference. Um, thank goodness it was last year, not this year. <laughs> but um, you know, and, and I read an amazing article, and I think it was the Houston Chronicle, and it was, it was perfect. And it was challenging this concept of self-care. And it was saying, look, if you have to change your life to actually build in time to do things you love, you've got it wrong because you should be building you should be building that into your life anyway so that it is your life um, and so i think that in itself you know we take holidays to have a rest and a break and yes that is really important but we also need micro breaks and that might be recognizing that for you you need to move in a yoga class every day or you get cranky and stiff um, and so make time for that build it into your day even if it's a 10 minute online yoga class instead of a one and a half hour travel across the other side of the city you know you just find ways to build it into your day every day and you'll notice the difference that it makes um, because it's what recharges you you know if we don't do it our battery simply gets flatter and flatter and flatter and that's again okay at the moment you know i'm having a really busy time because a lot of companies in new zealand want well-being and resilience initiatives um, but not only do i know it's a short-term thing um, so i know this is a boost so it's okay to have busy seasons every mm -hmm. every industry has them you know accounting has year-end winemaking has vineyard picking you know there's there's every every industry has them um, but the reality is that it shouldn't go on. So that's why noticing it, so looking for the evidence is really, really important. Um, you know, if I've been busy for two weeks or three weeks without recharging, that's probably okay for me. That's quite, that's an acceptable level. If it goes on longer than two to three weeks, I know I'm gonna start having a problem. That's when my sleep changes, that when, that's when my, crabbiness changes that's when i start waking up at 4 a.m um that's when i start walking into rooms and forgetting why i walked into them um mm. that's when i um I, my big my big one for me is if i'm reading something and i can't focus on whole sentences if i'm just kind of jumping around the page looking at words that's when i know oh catherine we need to do something take a breath notice where you're at ask yourself okay what have i done to recharge in the last 10 days and if the answer is nothing look forward 10 days what do i have planned to recharge if the answer is nothing i've got a problem i need to shift some stuff and let go of doing some stuff and recharge instead being able to give ourselves permission to do that yeah. is yeah. is a big step and you know it all begins with that self-awareness totally totally and i have to say i'm i'm a little bit naughty i'm from the kind of paddington bear stair school of coaching um so i don't know if you guys have had paddington bear but he does this is this kids book that um that is you know globally you know a really great book if you've got kids check out paddington bear he's amazing but he's got this really hard stare where he kind of looks at himself and he's like hmm so i just kind of go do you know what are you really stressed because of everything else or are you stressed because of the choices you're making and i totally understand for some of us it's hard you know we've got kids we've got husbands we've got lives we've got work we've got commutes we've got parents we're looking after you know and and we've got on top of that the worries of the world so i get that it's hard but some of that hardness is self-imposed so we really do have to um, look at that permission piece and ask, do I give myself permission to feel good and function well? Because if the answer is no, keep doing what you're doing. <laughs> and um, if the answer is do yes, I do give myself permission to feel good and function well, then great, change some stuff. Try little things and see how that goes for you. If your answer to that permission piece, do I give myself permission to feel good and function well? If your answer is no, or your answer is I really can't answer that right now, 
maybe again reach out for some help talk to a coach find a coach that's near you find a um a, a counselor or somebody that can support you through that thinking process to help you unpack why what why is it that you don't feel like you can give yourself permission to feel good and function well by making little choices right little choices add up to big things and practice resilience absolutely i think one of the questions you asked at the very beginning was about misconceptions for resilience and i think you know what you're sharing there absolutely underlines that you know we don't just have resilience and then that's it we can kind of go great sweet i've got it now um because life ebbs and flows and so making sure that we take tiny little choices you know if i eat a tiny piece of chocolate every day for the whole of my life i will become likely unwell or unfit or fatter because i'm making those tiny choices every single day but if i make a choice to do something to invest in my well-being a tiny choice every single day i will see my well-being nudge back um, into a much more positive place those tiny choices may seem tiny but it's what adds up to create um, the, the well-being that we that, that leads to resilience Catherine, thank you so much for sharing this wealth of information with us. An How can pleasure. people get in touch with you and follow you? Oh gosh, yes, absolutely. So um, that's always the bit I forget. That's so funny. I'm, I'm like, share, share, share. Oh gosh, yes. Um, so, um, so either via my website. So my website is www.careerbalance.co.nz. So I'll make sure that you have all of this information, Jennifer. Um, and also you can follow me on LinkedIn. So oh, I have no idea what my LinkedIn handle is. So I, I will, if you look up Catherine Jackson, New Zealand, you will find me. I will be there. Um, and so um please do feel free to follow me on linkedin those are that those are actually the, the only two places so i don't use twitter i don't use instagram i don't use um facebook um because i walk my talk and i manage my time and any spare time i get i'm recharging very good you're practicing your resilience <laughs> <laughs> doesn't right. always work doesn't always work but most of the time we're, we're good yeah, it's a practice. <laughs> okay, thanks for joining us today, Catherine. Thank you so much, Jennifer, for inviting me and for asking me to talk about something that, as you can tell, I'm really passionate about. You know, if I can make just the teeniest difference to one of your listeners, then that will just make my heart sing. Um, because we can, we as a as a human community, we can do this. We've got this. We just need to own it and, and make some different choices and realize that part of being human is feeling and part of feeling means navigating emotions and part of navigating emotions means giving ourselves permission to recharge. Um, and so, you know, I, I love this opportunity. Thank you so very much. You heard her. We can do this. What have you done recently to recharge? Are you stressed because of everything else? Or are you stressed because of the choices you're making? Choose you. Notice how you're feeling. Give yourself permission to invest in your well-being. Be sure to check out Catherine's book and connect with her online by visiting the links posted in the show notes. If you feel stuck and unsure of where to begin, schedule a free call with me. Just click the schedule a call button on my website. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Jennifer Zock, and this is Unlocking Mindset.